this weekend on Sportsmanlike Conduct. We'll do another brief glimpse at the MLB playoffs, discuss Monday night controversy, and look, we're almost at the halfway point of the NFL season and kind of look back at what we've seen and predict what we're going to see. This is Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm your host, Andy Loveland, here with my co-host, as always, Jack Crum. Uh, how is it going today? You know, Andy, usually I have two days to process and kind of filter out stuff that I say after a Lions loss, um, but I'm going completely unfiltered today um, because I didn't get those extra two days to, uh, to kind of do that. So yeah, we're going to dive, uh, dive right in here. Yeah, so first things first, let's let's just peek real quick. I think the Nationals surprised a lot of people. A lot of that was the Kershaw meltdown. I think <laughs> we included kind of thought the Dodgers would be here. It's an unfortunate thing with one of the all-time greatest pitchers, but, I mean, we're left with who we thought on the AL and maybe some surprise teams on the NL. What have your thoughts been generally so far? Well, I, I think so far, I think the Astros are still the team to beat just because they were favored from the start. Um, and right now, they're, they're actually beating the Yankees in that game three. Um, so we'll have to see how that kind of plays out. But, I mean, you can't ignore pure firepower. And don't get me wrong, the Cardinals and the Nationals, they're great like stories. Like I, I love those kind of things. But it just kind of feels like every single year in the MLB, there's always kind of like, like the Cinderella-type team. And they usually just kind of fizzle out once they get to the World Series. I mean, you kind of, you kind of, you've seen that the last couple of years. So I'm going to roll with whoever comes out of the AL. Yeah, I still, I find it hard for even the Yankees to match Verlander, Cole. I mean, those those guys are just unhittable right now. Oh, I yeah. don't, unless something happens or changes in the next week or so, and the Yankees suddenly figure out that rotation, I don't know how they beat them. Um, I don't even. I'm surprised the Nationals are where they're at. <laughs> you know, when they lost Bryce Harper, I think we all thought they would fall off a little bit. Yeah. Instead, it's the opposite. It's Bryce Harper who won't be in the playoffs. Yeah. It's the Nationals. So that's the irony there. It'd be kind of funny, just entertaining from a story narrative purpose, just to see them win. And just like Bryce Harper said after he signed with the Phillies, their goal is to bring a championship to D.C. <laughs> so, Yeah, my, um, my initial thought process when I look at these four teams is, um, uh, the Tigers pitchers are just continually just great. You saw just, Rick Porcello last year. <laughs> this year you got Justin Verlander and Mad Max Scherzer. Yeah. I loved the uh, – and you got Anibal Sanchez in there. I love the stat yeah. where it was like Anibal Sanchez and Max Scherzer are the first pitchers to go back-to-back and throw in five and no-hit innings of playoff baseball since uh, those two did it, you know, like I think it was 2012 or 2013 for the Tigers. It's it just it hurts. The, it the really funniest hurts. thing I think I saw on Twitter about that was like it was like 2012 ad campaign. Who's your tiger? And then it was like 2019 ad campaign. <laughs> where's yeah. your tiger? <laughs> yeah, just, I, it feels bad, but I think that touches on something we've talked about before. Where when you're a fan of those small market teams, Detroit, Cleveland. I mean, Detroit's a little bit bigger market in baseball than Cleveland is. It's just yeah. hard for them to be competitive for a long time. I mean, the Indians are in a situation where they're going to lose Lindor probably in the next year or two, whether trade or let his contract run out. I don't see them keeping him, even though they should. But it's frustrating, but it'll be interesting to run out. And, I mean, at the very least, 
Packers fans have gotten to see Verlander to win his ring. Maybe they'll get to see Scherzer do it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, the Tigers are just so horribly bad and mismanaged. I'm just going to root for my favorite players from 2012 and just kind of pretend it's still 2012 a little bit. So, you know what? Yeah, I'll pull for uh, JV and, and Mad Max just because, I mean, why not? I mean, my team isn't going to do anything for the next decade, so... Um, I, I would love to see these guys win. I mean, these are guys I grew up watching, and you know, it'd make me really happy that they got out of that uh, Tigers incompetence and were able to actually do something somewhere else. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Verlander and Scherzer played into the incompetence mm-hmm. because you look at that roster; they are too stacked not to win. Verlander was a guy who didn't really show up in the playoffs for the Tigers, or he did, but he had some struggles he in had specifically the World Series. A couple of times, yeah. You know? Don't ever say Pablo Sandoval around me. That dude, yeah. panda bear. Oh. Yeah, it it'd be funny because he just wouldn't be great all season, and then he would suddenly hit like five home runs against the Tigers. But uh, moving to the other team, real close to Comerica in Detroit, the Lions had that big game Monday night against Green Bay. One thing I wanted to touch on quick was, I mean, Kelly Stafford was there, mm-hmm. and I think no matter who you're a fan of in the NFL. The story of Matt Stafford and his wife, Kelly, right now is just something you have to root for. I've always liked Stafford, but over the last six, seven months, as that stuff started to come out, you're like, wow, like, no dude I don't think in the NFL deserves for this to work out than than Matt Stafford right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Kelly Stafford, it's funny because I follow her on Instagram, and she used to have a Twitter, but she deleted it because she couldn't stop herself from talking smack on game days. She's like the polar opposite of Matthew Stafford when it comes to that. I mean, you look on um, Matthew Stafford at a press conference last night, and he's like, oh, well, you know, got to execute better, got to do all this stuff. He didn't even bring up officiating. You look on Kelly Stafford's Instagram story, and the last three posts are, uh, you know, all these statistics about the flags and all these different kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I loved that feature last night. ESPN mm-hmm. usually does a really good job with those. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you haven't seen it yet or you didn't check out uh, Monday Night Football last night, you're not a Lions fan. I mean, it's definitely worth looking yeah, into absolutely. because it was really uh, inspiring stuff. Yeah, it's, it's heartwarming. And like I said, I think Matthew Stafford, to to your point, he's just your classic, just classy dude. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. So it makes it hard not to root for him, even if you're, you know, a Vikings fan yeah. or something. He's just a good dude. So you hate to see stuff like this, especially as you read some of that story where you're like, this is how close she was, you know, she yeah. was to being gone, and I can't imagine that. I mean, so. yeah, she was writing her, her, you know, death note to her, you know, to Matthew and her children. So it was like at that point, I was like, like, whoa, you yeah. Know? But yeah, no, good stuff there. Unfortunately, yeah. the game after wasn't such good stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean, let's let's get into some of those gripes about the officiating that I'm sure, mm-hmm. as a Lions fan, you have to have. So I'm going to take two different avenues, and one you're really going to agree with me on, um, and the second one I don't think that you will agree with me on. So the first one, plain and simple, I mean, they kicked they kicked uh, how many field goals? They kicked one, two, three, four, five. five. They kicked five field goals that game, Yeah. which means five times they were inside of the 40-yard line. Yeah. And I'm a super fan, and I see things for what it is for the most part. Um but that's unacceptable. I mean, I, yeah. I understand I, that the offense isn't isn't like there yet, but it needs to get there real quick because five trips inside of the forty yard line with no touchdown to show for it. I mean, that that's that's just embarrassingly bad football. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing there, though, is the first three drives of the game, they were inside the 10. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're Patricia, if you're Bevel, those guys, they got the first touchdown. That's good. That's a good start to the game. But you're facing Aaron Rodgers. Historically in that division, he finds a way, especially in the second half, if there's life. So I think at least one of those you got to say, okay, we're on the five-yard line. We're on the six-yard line, the three, whatever it was. Let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate Hawkinson drops that touchdown. I know it was a tough play to make, but once he's got it and he's pulling into his chest, I feel like you've got to just if you're you've got to complete yeah. it. You've got to just complete it. And I think those are some of the things I think Hawkinson needs to clean up. And once he does, then he becomes one of those top five, top three type tight ends in the league where he's a household name and it's no longer – I mean, it becomes a threat, like where he's could potentially have a Kelsey role, where he's yeah. leading the team in receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, and all that. Um, so I agree that oh, I think the biggest thing is the offense sputters in the second half. I don't even know lack of skill, more just they were really creative. That flea flicker to start, mm-hmm. that big pass on the second drive, none of that in the second and that's half. That's what really made me mad too. Is that I understand what Bevel is trying to do with setting up the play action and asserting yourself running the football. But when big Kenny Clark is in the middle and it's just not working, because on Johnson, he's a very talented back, but he is not going to be the type of power back that Marshawn Lynch was going right up the middle and getting six or seven. Absolutely no one is. I mean, it's just – so I I don't know why they wouldn't put on in a better situation going outside because I only saw that maybe twice, and on each of those it got five or more yards. Well, and they have all those Patriots players, but the thing they didn't steal from the Patriots was like, utilizing just short dump-offs yeah. to your running back as a run. Yeah. Like, you just pitch it to the outside, you toss it, you get two or three yards, but then eventually maybe carry on breaks one. Like, I just don't understand why the second half there wasn't even another shot downfield because it kind of seemed early on like the Packers can't cover Galladay, Hawkinson. Yeah. They were struggling with Marvin Jones. It kind of seemed like Stafford was going to be able to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And I don't know why that didn't continue for the entire four quarters. And I, But – I think the Hawkinson drop kills you. If you go in half, you're up 17-10 on the Packers. It's, it's a different game. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens. Like You can play differently. You can do all that. And I think then there's a different story. So I don't know what they're doing this year in the second half because they're the only game they've outscored opponents in the second half is the Chargers. And we saw it right away against Arizona. I think we talked about like what was that, why was that. And then we've saw in the last loss against Kansas City where it looked like they were going to beat Kansas City. This is a talented team. The coaching staff needs to get up to that level. And it's just, it's the oldest saying in football, but, I mean, if you play to lose, that's exactly what you're going to do. And that's what the Lions have been doing in the second half. And that's why they're uh, unfortunately fourth in the division right now because I, I do think that they're very talented. I don't think that they're necessarily the fourth best team in the division, but standings indicate otherwise. And it's, you know, man, I just, I really wish that we were in another division in football and not this one because this division is so good. And when I was looking at it uh, last night, it's really the only division in football that isn't at or nearing like a full scale rebuild. I mean, you could, you could make the case NFC South, but I mean, do you think Bruce Arians is going to stick with a lot of those guys down there in Tampa? It's just, um, and then we'll move forward to the next avenue and I don't think you're with me on this but I think um I think at least 40 to 50 percent of that game was on the officials obviously in an ideal world 
it would not come down to those calls, but we don't necessarily live in an ideal world. Um, and it's just those penalties, man. It, it's just, it's really unacceptable. I get the, the first time, maybe. I mean, I was still upset on the first time, hands to the face. But the second time they called Trey Flowers, a guy who's been using the same moves, has worked with that crew each of the last three years when he was playing for the Patriots. They didn't call him once. Before this game, he didn't have hands to the face once when he was in New England. It's the same moves. What's changed? The uniform has changed, and the opponent has changed. So I think that those calls, I think that they're really killer, and I think that um, I think that it was kind of a mixture, but they definitely didn't help them win this game. Yeah, I just think I hate blaming the refs for any loss because there's always another point in the game, and it becomes this thing where because last night was Monday night, mm-hmm. everyone's watching, it becomes a big deal, and I think we can get to that in a second. But then you see, like, Sunday, you know, like, the Browns had a couple controversial calls, and I had people texting me, like, saying, oh, they got hosed, and it's the same thing. It's like, well, yeah, the refs need to make those calls, but Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield, they had an opportunity at the end then again to erase what the referees did. So I think, you know, in the Lions case, they didn't have a chance to respond, but they had a chance early on to kind of undo it. You know, and it I just hate when it becomes like the Saints thing where now every time the Saints are involved in a questionable call, we have to hear Sean Payton and all these Saints fans like talk about the NFC championship yeah, the- and talk about this and talk about every time they got hosed. And it I I mean every NFL team does that and it's kind of it should set off sensors that it's like we're not no one's aiming for one specific team. There's no team who can call king of the of the bad calls. I think officiating, especially this year, the NFL, is just bad. It's just it's questionable to me. I mean, I, I totally understand. Every single team goes through these calls, but it just feels like to me that Detroit goes through them more than most. Because you're watching every Lions. It's game. just over the last ten years though. Not yeah, even but the ten years. Packers the last fans eight will years. point to the stupid Golden Tate replacement ref, double catch, fail Mary thing. And well, if you want to get technical with it, the tie does go to the And if you want to get technical receiver. about the Lions calls, when they see the next snap back, they're going to throw the flag. No doubt. And he and sold it. He sold it tremendously. Yeah. But so. it's just, I mean, you look at Marvin Jones on that deep pass. His arm yeah. was around his. That's something, though. Him. The pass interference is something that it's, it's not a Lions thing. We've seen it. I think every game this year, it's – I don't know what – it like last year, it was – we knew what pass interference was. It wasn't reviewable, but it seemed fine. Like 85 90% of the time, you're okay with the call because you kind of realize like, yeah, I think they probably got away with something, but I want my guy to be able to get away with that too, and it seemed fair. The NFC Championship happens, and now I have no idea what's pass interference and what isn't anymore, it feels like. And they're not reviewing it and rev- – and like reversing it if they even see it it's it's insane i know it's just that game there was just a lot of missed calls and i mean i'm kind of like you i don't like necessarily blaming the referees but when it's that blatantly obvious and they miss it not once but twice along with countless other calls and you look to that hands to the face that's an offensive penalty as well, and on the first one of those, Trey Flowers was basically getting his eyes gouged out by David Bakatari. So it was just, 
I don't know. The entire thing just kind of, it's kind of sketched to me just because, I mean, I think that we can all agree here that we, we don't really like the Packers. I mean, you're a Browns fan. We got Emil over here who's a, who's a Bears fan. Um, obviously, I'm a Lions fan. But when it's just – and it's just the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years too. You look at the phantom face mask a couple of years ago on that before the Hail Mary. I mean, I get Aaron Rodgers is the perfect little golden child of the NFL and no one Yikes. can touch him and no one can do any of this other stuff to him. But it's just – I don't know. It's – it's just it's very yeah. I'm not, makes I'm me not angry. buying into any conspiracy theories because I think the NFL loves. I mean, they sued Tom Brady, who is their absolute golden boy, and they spent two years in court with him, suspended him for four games for possibly being involved in deflating some footballs. You know, a quarter of a whatever, a quarter of psi. So I. I'm not going to buy into conspiracy. I think every NFL team gets hosed. If you want to actually talk about the worst NFL call of all time, let me take you back to the year 2016. The Cleveland Browns are trailing the Washington Redskins 24-20. to Duke Johnson fumbles the ball. There's, there's a scrum. Duke Johnson picks up the ball. He's down, walks away, hands it to a referee, the referee takes the ball from Duke Johnson, a Browns player, and signals Washington Redskins ball. That is the all-time worst call I mean, in the NFL history. No, no doubt that was a bad <laughs> call, but that team was also... Was that the 0-16 year, 2016, um, or was that the 1-15? No, so I think 17 was 1-15. 17, 17 1 okay. Well, so that's why it doesn't get publicity. I mean, yeah, because, bad teams call Because like, as don't. a fan, I'm like... Yes, that's a terrible call, but that call could have swung the game and the Browns could have won. And then they would have been 1-15, and and then maybe we don't get Miles Garrett. So I'm actually actually okay with that call going against them to make sure that they get get the number one pick. But I think just in general, the NFL has a problem. I mean, It's terrible officiating. They've got a problem directed at Detroit, if you ask me. (laughs) I mean, you want want to bring it back to past years, two years ago against the Falcons, Golden Tate's down at the one. The officials do an official review. Of that play. The Lions didn't challenge it. Atlanta didn't challenge it. They come back. I'm sitting in the stands like, all right, I mean, he's probably going to be down, but, I mean, that's all right. We got Matthew Stafford, one play. I mean, I'll take it. And they say 10-second runoff, game's over. Okay. All right, then. Rewind even further. 2014. This man, Anthony Hitchens, linebacker now for the Chiefs, was on the Cowboys in the NFC playoffs. Basically, face guards. Brandon Mm -hmm. Pettigrew to the ground. When the ball was thrown at him, to the point where the ball hit Anthony Hitchens almost to the back of his helmet. All right, then. Fast forward two years later. Wild card round against the Seahawks in Seattle. You got Paul Richardson, the wide receiver over there, grabs Tavon Wilson's face mask as he makes a wonderful one-hand catch. Nobody says anything. It's put on NFL, ESPN, top number one plays. No one says anything. We already mentioned the phantom face mask leads to the great Hail Mary, which I need to hear about at least three times a year plus on top of the ESPYs. And then also you want to fast forward even more or rewind even more, I should say. Calvin Johnson, 2010, in Chicago, catches the ball, the first of these little Dez caught it type situations. All right, then. And then you want to, if you're still with me here, 
bring it back forward a little bit more. Week three, Sunday night football in Seattle again. You got the Seattle linebacker after a Calvin Johnson fumble who basically bats the ball into the end zone. That should be a touchback. Detroit ball, first down and 10. Final fourth quarter minute. I know you just checked your watch because this is a laundrist and it isn't even all of it. We missed last week against KC, the Hail Mary. What was that? (laughs) This week, two phantom face masks. They never call pass interference on Hail Marys. And I think they just need to come out and say that they're not going to because there's situations last week. And that's the thing is that I guess I'm trying to say is, I mean, you're reading this list, but if I Google NFL team referee mistakes, every NFL team has a list do the they same have, length. Do they have 10 over the last eight years, though, of yes. possibly game-winning primetime situations? How about two playoff-costing ones? The Giants it's alone. Just, it's a theme, man. You immediately gotta the you week. Gotta be with me here. I'm not. I'm not going to be. It is a theme of the Lions being absolutely hosed yes. down in these moments. And don't get me wrong, you can always be better. You can always point to these situations and be like, "Well, if they did this and this, they put that. They don't leave that on the field." No doubt. No one's questioning that. Things can always be altered and changed. But that's not what we live in. You got to take it as it is. And if they made some of these calls right, who knows? Maybe I'm sitting here not as angry with a Lions playoff win all the way back in 2014 under my belt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm not following you on that because, again, I'm telling you, literally 24 hours before the hands to the face, one of the most egregious illegal block to the back calls we've ever seen by Jarvis Landry happens. The false start that leads to a Seattle touchdown that never gets called happens. You know, all this stuff, it's the Browns. People don't like the Browns. I get that. It's not prime time. That's fine. It's not a division game. That's fine. But because it's not those things, like, I don't get to come in here with my box of tissues. And but my, did it single-handedly ruin your <laughs> and, season? Uh, Probably. You think so? I think it's very possible. I wish your would, schedule's still pretty yeah, favorable I wish it would forward. single-handedly make Freddie Kitchens stop calling the plays, but... <laughs> 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 like if it w- maybe if it would have been like a defensive encroachment thing, we could have got Freddie to stop calling the plays. But the, yeah, the thing that really angers me is that Aaron Rodgers has the audacity after this game to go up to Pro Football Focus with his dumb little cheese head on and say the bad calls equal out over the years. Yeah, I- I- excuse me. Did you want when on earth have they equaled out for you or me? I was reading something on Twitter that. Uh, like something like 75% of the Lions players call Aaron Rodgers' dad. Hmm. Well, I had no idea Aaron Rodgers uh, wears uh, white and black stripes, but um, if he if he did show up in a uh, referee's outfit, I would say that's pretty I valid. would say they still have one more. Is it Thanksgiving when the Packers come to uh, Last Field? week of the season, week 17, which by that point – Aaron I mean, Aaron Rodgers would be my favorite NFL player of all time if he wore a referee shirt to that game. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> like I saw Lions fans <laughs> against Kansas City throwing beer bottles on the field and leaving the game and swearing out officials. Yeah, um, but I think that's and ba- that that's was as bad on the fans. That was Kansas City yeah. and a player that most people around here actually like, Patrick Mahomes, in a non-conference game. Yeah. But if if that type of stuff was called, and that wasn't even on that level during KC, I thought it was bad in the moment. Now this takes the whole cake. 
if this is on this level come week 17, which I don't think it will be because the game won't necessarily matter. I mean, this is just me being cynical because next week is basically the season. But if they did that, Minnesota, that right? stadium is going to explode. Yep. Uh, Minnesota next week. That's Who, this is it. Again, had another phenomenal week by a receiver that just talked bad about Kirk Cousins all week. Yeah, we'll be so fine. I'm we assuming I'm assuming Monday, like starting tomorrow morning, Kyle Rudolph is just going to be in the headlines talking about how terrible Kirk Cousins <laughs> is, and then he'll have you know 150 yards and three touchdowns or whatever, because it's just two weeks ago it was Thielen, now we're at Diggs. Yeah. Like, Let's just go, and then Dalvin Cook. They'll just keep running the gambit, and then they'll just run the season. But Who's hated more, would you say, Kirk Cousins by Minnesota fans or Baker Mayfield by NFL fans? Um, If we're doing just Minnesota, I'm going to say Baker. But I think if we, if we were just saying, like, here's two quarterbacks, who do people like less, I think Cousins wins out because, like, Baker people don't like – because he, like Stafford's a good example. He just says nothing. Yeah, like he, he doesn't. Stafford's he doesn't kind do of much. a terrible press conference. He you just does his uh, Ford F one fifty commercial is, once yeah, a year. Yeah, like, but it's it. like it's like the whole commercial is just about how like he can buckle his kids yeah. in the back seat, and you're like, that's why I drive my Ford F one fifty with EcoBoost. Yeah, you're like, dude, if Stafford was out there, like, as just as crazy as Baker is yeah. like who he would be he would have been Gardner Minshew because he can throw it 75 yards in the air people people but, love to love and they love to hate hockey players but they yeah. only love to love them when they're playing good like imagine if Deion Sanders was bad at football yeah exactly like, people would hate him yeah. but he's good at football so, so it's like it's endearing wants. and yeah. yeah he can he, he they, can they talk in as an third entertainer person. yeah he, he still talks in third person like yeah Deion doesn't like that yeah well no it's like Deion Sanders yeah. is a baseball Dude, player Sanders, prime time prime is a football player like yeah. that's what Deion says Still so. the only player in, in uh, NFL history to hit a home run and score a touchdown the same week. Yeah. But it's kind of like it's you look at, like, Baker and you look at Odell, right? I mean, Ode- two Browns Odell players. gets an absolute terrible Oh, rap. yeah. No, I totally I think, agree. Totally agree. Like, it's just because if you talk to people who know him, like, like some of the media members who aren't on ESPN or Bleacher Report mm-hmm. or even some of the ESPN people who were working with him in New York were saying, like, no, like, off the field he's actually a good guy. But it's because, like, you know, I mean, it started with that boat picture that the whole Giants receivers <laughs> took in Miami or whatever, that like, was hilarious, three days before man. the playoffs. And you're like, who, I don't know. I'm not in charge of what people do in their free time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I think people, you're right, like, Baker's arrogance, because he's not necessarily backing it up 100%, because I think he's doing, he's, he's still a young quarterback, too. I, honestly, I keep saying, I, I don't know if Baker's going to be, what we think he is, but I don't know if he's, he's going to be. He's as, not going to. Well, I mean, if we're being completely honest, he's not going to be a bust. Saying that, it doesn't may, guarantee he's going to be maybe. the next coming. I mean, we don't. That's the thing is, like, it's hard to say whether or not he's not going to be a bust because he could improve. And if he plays like this for two more years, then the Browns are in the situation the Titans are in mm-hmm. or that the Buccaneers are in. You know, you don't know. Your quarterback's not terrible, yeah. but. They're not helping you win. Yeah. So I, we don't know. We'll know more at the end of this season. We'll know more going into next season. But it's hard. So I think right now people really don't like him. If he starts getting good, it's going to be like Gardner Minshew again. Like mm-hmm. we're like, imagine if Minshew was doing the stuff he did and he sucked. Like people would yeah. be like, why does he have that weird mustache? Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Uncle Rico <laughs> and not in the good way. Like 
he's wearing throwing like, football over the mountains. It's like, he's like these. wearing the same clothing as yeah. Cam Newton, but because we don't like Cam, because like there's a lot of reasons people don't like Cam Newton. That I mean, I think some are pretty more obvious. I, than I others, think some but, of them are more racially yeah dominated than like Gardner Minshew. But it's like you know Cam wears a weird hat, and we're like. He doesn't know how to play football because he can't dress. And then Gardner yeah, Minshew. People call him like, a drag queen and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and so I think with Cousins, people just don't like him because, like, he's perfectly average. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, Cousins, to me, you can't say he's bad because he gets numbers and he's yeah. not terrible and his team wins some of the time. <laughs> but also, like, I, I never know from game to game, can Cousins lead you to the victory or not? My gut says no, but then he throws for like 300 yards. For me, Kirk Cousins is still more of a glorified kind of game manager where it's like he's above other guys that have been in that situation, but he's still never going to like go out and single-handedly like win you the game. But I I have another um, who likes who more question for you. Who do NFL officials like more, Matthew Stafford or Aaron Rodgers? Um, I think... It really depends on like what. Like, if, if, say, one got absolutely just nailed, head-to-head-to-head, to head to head, right? Just a horrible, like, it was clean, right? But it was, like, just, like, just the most clean hit you, you can imagine. Who would they be more likely to throw the penalty flag on if you had to put all your money, all your savings on it? I mean, if I was going to put everything, I would put it on Aaron Rodgers. But you're... <laughs> I don't know. You're Thank using you. a random event to prove your Detroit bias because you're emotionally hurt I'm by emotionally the fact that this scarred, team has Andy. let you down All for right. 20 I am years. I'm emotionally scarred. I'm not even 20 years old, and they have let me down for yeah. 20 straight years. Yeah. I Before mean, Before I was even like, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm emotionally think, scarred, and that's just how it's going to stay. I think I it hit, really I depends just... on who, who uh, throws, who, who makes the hit. Well, I think we all know Clay who would be Matthews, more likely Dominican to Sue. Aaron Donald. <laughs> Aaron Donald might not get the – Aaron Donald, I don't think, gets yeah, he's the penalty kind of, he's on kind either. He's kind of a golden boy on defense, isn't he? Yeah. It's, it's also, though, because I think Aaron Donald is, like, shorter in stature than a lot of defensive tackles. So he just – like, he, he – I feel he's like he's always playing, heavy, like, like he, way lower yeah. than everyone. But – Yeah, no, he also, no doubt. I, I mean, don't know. Like, if it was Miles Garrett, he's getting flagged no matter what. I, <laughs> I think we all know who would be more likely to get up in that event. I think Matthew Stafford would be the more likely one to get up and run up to the next play. I think Aaron would have to be in concussion protocol for another two weeks like he has been for the last 10 years. You, you sound like someone that is – you hate Aaron Rodgers because I think you're – I wouldn't say I hate Aaron you should, Rodgers. You should I just kind turn, of despise him. You should turn to Emil right now and ask him if he remembers Aaron Rodgers getting tackled poorly and then leaving the game or limping back. And shutting that shutting was an down. Act. That was a hundred percent. No, that the was MVP act. No, that was that was definitely not an act. Well, real quarterbacks wouldn't even go out of the game. They would continue to play even with you know like a broken vertebrae or you know a literal torn. Why don't shoulder. you look up the first two years of Matt Stafford's career? <laughs> I would look up the first two of Aaron Rodgers, but he was on a bench in Green Bay watching the greatest quarterback of all time play. Well, Matthew Stafford was that's a, in that's front a, of Dante Culpepper. So what we've proven is the Packers can draft and the Lions are stuck in mediocrity forever. Well, 
I, I wouldn't say forever, but... What pick did the Lions have in the Aaron Rodgers draft? Lions was had... It, was it before 24? 14, I think. And that would have been 2004. So they would have been before... So they would have had Joey Harrington at that point. So you can see why was they that, probably wouldn't have... Was that Joey Harrington's second or third year in the league? He was drafted in 2003. So that would have been his second year since Aaron Rodgers Joey was drafted Joey Harrington in wasn't a weird, like... Is he like the original Marcus Mariota, where you like the Lions kind of held out for way too long, hoping they, they he would held become out for something? Way too long, man. But way he, too long. He, he would have a feel like a game every year where you're like, well, oh. when it was against the Lions on Thanksgiving, he would when he threw for like a million yards and five yeah. touchdown passes. But that's just how it goes. You said it perfectly. I am. I'm emotionally scarred on this team. I'll continue yeah. to be. But I mean, I mean, the last thing I'm gonna say is the season's not over. But, no, absolutely not. I, I think. Mean, they got to go out. They got to win next week, and they most of all need to finish because that's something they haven't done all yeah, year. Yeah, they need no to. Doubt. They, I did, the offensive plays and stuff that they're calling in the first half. Just call them in the second half. Yeah, Galladay is good. I think he, if they would give him the ball, he's on his way to a breakout year. I think because of some of the speed stuff, and he he'll make a few drops on necessary. Like he'll make a really impressive play. The next play, he'll just drop a ball. Yeah, because of some of that stuff, I don't think he can ever be quite like top five, top ten. But he's a solid number one option, no doubt. I'd and say he's I, top ten, but I would not say that he's top five. I think I, he'll be a stretch, even you, more of a stretch than he would be making for, to catch some of these balls. But yeah, I, I think yeah. he'll never be top five. Just it seems like the receiver position is just stacked, and some of those. I well, mean, it's like, like you have all these like like Calvin Johnson prodigies. We're like. Sure, Randy Moss kind of started, but Kelvin, after he played, you have all these guys that have everything. The speed, mm-hmm. the size, the catch radius, the jumping. It's just you can't teach that exactly. stuff. Like, it's just like... The, and Kenny checks off a few, uh, a few of those boxes, no mm-hmm. doubt. And that, that is fantastic. And I think he's going to be yeah. good, but it's like... He'll never be that him. level. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, like, Hawkinson should be good. I understand why, like... Again, he's another one. He drops he gets some. A lot he makes of, some mistakes. Yeah, like, he gets a lot of... He looks um, like a rookie, but yeah. in... Two or three weeks, I think you've got to get to a point where you're saying, okay, we've got Kenny Galladay, we've got Hawkinson, we've got Marvin Jones, we've got Kerryon Johnson. If we're not confident enough to let Matthew Stafford, our was this his 11th. 11th year in the league, he's got an arm, he's fixed some of those interception problems that have lingered that were mm-hmm. there in the early. Like, if you can't trust those guys to just sling the ball around a little bit and yeah, work in some run, work in some play action and stuff. But if you can't trust those guys to make plays, you're limiting the, what this team can be. And Hawk gets a lot of leeway just because of the guy that he followed up because literally everybody in Detroit despises Eric Ebron. Um, well, which some was, of that it is, was some of that was Pettigrew. Like it's yeah. just like this it's long just, line just, of first yeah. round tight ends. We're who, just trying to find the next Charlie Sanders so bad. And I mean, Hawk gets a lot of leeway. He's super talented, and I think he has all the tools. I, but I mean, they say that the tight end position is the absolute hardest to transfer because it's kind of like I mean, most college teams don't really use them, and when they do use them, they don't use them in that NFL type setup. Yeah. So I'm gonna give him a couple more years. I think that he's still I, super talented, but I he definitely he, needs to fix. I think those. he can be good right away, and yeah. I'm not saying like by the end of the season he needs to be. And pro- I'd say he is he good needs- right away. I mean, after that, he made some pretty impressive catches. I, but those, I think that's. You know, I think he just he needs to clean some of that up and yeah. consistently be there, and then I think. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but at some point, I would not be surprised if we're saying, you know, 
George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, aging Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. Yeah. Like putting him in that category would not surprise me. Of course, like I said, like you see some things where he's a rookie. I the NFL point he needs to clean up this, he needs to clean up that. Maybe it's understanding the play calls and stuff. But they've got talent in you're kind of reaching the next two or three years are probably it for Stafford as far as like Probably. Honestly, being, I don't think he's going to play very I mean, much longer. I would say some of that stuff we talked about probably with Kelly are yeah. going to probably limit what he does going into the future. If, if I had to put an over-under on how many years Matthew Stafford has left, I would probably say under five. Yeah. Because just because people are – like Andrew Luck kind of started this trend – where it's like, yeah. I don't need to play until I'm 40. Matthew Stafford, if he sees, I think that if he sees like the NFL start to tread backwards, or the the uh, excuse me, the Lions kind of tread backwards, I do believe that Matt Patricia is is the bottom line, and I think they're going to hold on to Patricia for another like three or four years. But I believe that this is like. Because yeah. I don't think he wants to necessarily learn another system, be part of another rebuild. He's already been part of three I would so doubt far. It. I don't know why he would. I. Like I think he's got a. I think he's talented. I, the biggest problem for Stafford right now is. Green Bay is adding an influx of young talent, mm-hmm. so you were kind of hoping like, okay, as Rodgers approaches that later year, but now Devontae Adams, like, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, both are good. I think Jones is a little bit better, but he had some drops and a, the fumble, and, you know, Minnesota, I'm not as worried about. They're getting old. They're. Gonna get rid of cousins once that contract runs out. I think they went and from then one they, of the most promising teams yeah. to like, and then you got the Bears. So nothing. the The Lions coaching staff, like I said, needs to needs to up the ante. Otherwise, they could all all be in trouble and waste. You know, one of the probably mm-hmm. probably yeah, a Hall of Famer based on numbers. Oh yeah, no as far doubt. As Stafford. I, I'd say he's a Hall of Famer, but he needs he needs a playoff win. He needs a yeah. playoff win. He needs. Maybe like just a Super Bowl appearance, but yeah. I mean that would have been three careers that they would have just utterly wasted between Barry Calvin and Matthew Stafford, right. and that that would hurt right yeah. there. I mean, All right. two two questions for you before we go. What do you got, Marcus Peters to the Ravens? What do you think? Love it. That solidifies their that their scares the heck out of oh, me. Oh yeah, I mean their their DBs are no doubt the best unit in football right now. I mean, you add that to a group that has Marlon Humphrey and Brandon Carr, among others. I mean, Earl Thomas, too. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. get out of here, man. That's yeah. nuts. No, that's bad bad news for the Browns. And then last thing, there's rumors floating about that John Dorsey's trying to get Trent Williams in in the building by the end of the week. If they I don't know why that, that trade, hasn't happened. Like That would be, like, season-changing for them because that's been their biggest issue so yeah. far, no doubt. I, I I don't know why Washington didn't try and get rid of him earlier. I can't imagine the Browns are the only people calling, and it feels like if you're Washington, you've got a hot commodity. Yeah, just an broad- aging hot commodity at that. And just broadcast, say, the Browns are offering this. I'm sure the Patriots are in. Oh, They're, no you, doubt. You could probably just bid these teams up against each other until one of them offers way too much because Kansas City is missing two tackles mm-hmm. now, and they I don't know when their tackles are getting back. So... But I so I thought that was an interesting piece. We'll see. Yeah, I think no matter what, I think Williams is getting moved. Oh, don't no know doubt. why he wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, Dan Schneider, no doubt, is one of the most incompetent people in the NFL. But I don't think he's that incompetent where he wouldn't deal Trent Williams. He's not playing manner. for you, exactly. So you need picks. Just but 
on on that note, I think we'll close it out. We'll see you guys next week.